Hello there, Brian from Franchise Simply. Delighted to have you along for another Franchise Radio Show. And uh, just a reminder, a lot of little tips here for franchisors, but also people looking at franchising. And I think franchisees as well will pick up some useful information, as well as there being some valuable insights for our consultants that join us on this uh, on this interview. So don't forget, notepad in hand, pin your ears back, and uh, uh, let's run through it. Today, I've, I've called our, um, our interview Franchisor Case Study Urban Clean with Damien Bowen. Now, our franchisor case studies, in case you haven't listened to them before, we tend to speak to emerging and established franchisors to find out a little bit about their story, how they got where they did, and picking up some points and so forth. So we've got some interesting questions to ask and challenge Damien with, I think. So Damien, if you don't know of him, he's he's actually an author, he's an entrepreneur, and he's a franchisor. An interesting background, uh, he's the founder and CEO of Urban Clean. Uh, they're a national commercial and office cleaning franchise. It started for him as a side hustle in 2009. So, well, so that 15, 16 years ago, Damien franchised the business in 2014. So 10 years as a franchisor, and he's got over 100 franchisees across Australia and currently is undergoing international expansion, which is the goal of lots of our listeners, I know. So he will have some tips here, I'm sure, into guiding you if that's your journey. It does take a bit of time, I think, past your apprenticeship to get to the point where you can safely go overseas. And I think Damien seems to have done that. So that they've serviced you know thousands of clients and they clean for some of the biggest companies in the country. That they've got a very strategic business model that helps their franchisees build scalable, profitable sort of businesses, keeping low heads, fixed low heads down as low as possible, and using a unique approach to franchising um, in the commercial cleaning industry. Damien actually grew up in Adelaide, South Australia, and after a challenging sort of start to life, he travelled overseas, came back, completed university, and he built up a very solid and valuable portfolio of property worth a few million dollars. And uh, in his 20s, this was before he even started his commercial cleaning practice. He's also an author with a, a, a really worthwhile book to read. It's called Clean Up With Franchising. And he's going to share some of our experiences with us today, as indeed he does in the book. So Damien, welcome to you. Lovely to have you on board today. Yeah, thank you, Brian. And uh, thanks for the introduction too. Uh, that's a pleasure. Anything you'd like to add to that that I might have missed proscript, as it were? Uh, well, we've got a couple more franchisees uh than a hundred so it but not quite 200 so we've got about 180 franchisees oh, wow. uh, now uh this month we probably had our biggest uh biggest recruitment month we haven't quite finished uh it even so we um, recruited eight new franchise partners but that's really not my efforts uh, i guess my efforts uh early on but uh our team of master franchisors in australia who are, are really you know starting to I guess get traction in their markets and and um, that success is starting to show in their results. Right. I don't want to steal any of the thunder from later in our conversation, but you mentioned you so you you've chosen the model with state franchisors as opposed to running the business corporately from a head office or even with regional staff. Can you give a little bit of the background? Was that from the beginning or was that something for you learned from lessons when you got started having regional franchisors? Uh, it came out of the, the business model that we do. So uh, with commercial cleaning, uh, one of the, the the sort of staples or the models that it's used from day dot, I think Janet King, in fact, in the United mm-hmm. States came up with a jan- the janitorial franchise model, means that franchisees getting started in the business uh, want a head start with cleaning contracts. We're not doing residential cleaning, we're only doing commercial cleaning. So we're cleaning offices, medical centers, places like that. And the nature of that business is that's actually, uh, if you don't know what you're doing, 
doing, it's very difficult to get new clients. And so we get a lot of franchise inquiries that are actually domestic cleaners. So they've got a, a, a domestic cleaning business, a residential cleaning business, and they're trying to crack into the commercial market because I know that's where the biggest opportunity is in cleaning, uh, but they've got no clue how to do it. So the cleaning contracts, the ones that the agreements that get signed with uh, customers that are very valuable in our industry. So mm -hmm. franchisee, when they're looking at getting started in commercial cleaning, often are looking at a bunch of cleaning contracts. And so the way our model works then is that the, really the the driver, the initial driver of, a, of a, the business is going to not become from a unit franchise. So this is where it's different from other franchise businesses where the franchisee sort of buys into the, the business. Mm -hmm. And when they buy into the business, they're going to go and market the business and they're going to grow the business. Not that that doesn't happen in a, in, in commercial cleaning and, and certainly in our franchise, we have a lot of franchise partners that actively grow their business uh, at, at the unit level. But what it means is that there needs to be some, either a corporate, so a national corporate drive to win new business, or mm -hmm. it needs to be at a regional level. So we very quickly worked out that, you know, we could grant franchises, we could give them the systems, we give them all the tools to grow the business, uh, but it's not really going to grow very fast unless we have a team of salespeople, unless we are developing a territory. And that's where we decided it makes more sense for us uh, to have a what we call regional partners. We call them regional branches. So not quite states, although um, we do have state, um, we have sold states and are selling them in the United States as well. But there's their local presence where they're employing a, an office team with salespeople who are going out winning cleaning contracts and then giving that local support to franchisees. So that's kind of how it very quickly evolved into that model and it made the most sense for us to, if we wanted to grow, to use that the master franchising model. Yeah, that makes sense. So you got them driving it. So they do the recruitment of your franchise partners and the training as well and so forth. So yeah, they do. So we, but well, I mean, we take a hybrid approach to it as well. I mean, one of the, one of the interesting things about franchising. So you you said uh, in your intro that there's a lot of listeners who are looking at getting started in franchising uh, or looking at franchising out their concept and growing internationally. One of the things we discovered on the franchise journey is that our business improved tenfold, I would almost go a hundredfold compared to what it was before we franchised. So uh, as the systems that we needed to develop so that our franchise partners could be successful improved every element of the business from the ground up. So we got more efficient with the cleaning, we got more efficient with um, acquiring new business, winning cleaning contracts, coaching cleaners, coaching business owners. And all what ended up happening is guys started making a lot, lot more money than we had ever made when we first started. <laughs> so uh, I just think it's, uh, I, I remember this is a few years ago and uh, I was sitting, I remember this conversation with my wife saying, gosh, I wish we could have the business. When we first started our, uh, our cleaning business, I wish we could have the business that one of our franchisees have in three months time. So we've even after like, you know, four years of operating commercial cleaning business, one of our unit franchises probably grow faster, you know, in just a matter of months. Um, and the same thing happened with our master franchises. So our master franchises, because uh, the first couple of years, we didn't do master franchising the first couple of years because we're still learning franchising then. Uh, but then, and we had to get certain things. Um, so some, some parts of the business model weren't yet tuned to the point where uh, a master franchise can come in and make a bucket load of money and profit from, you know, say month one. Soon the system started doing that and we started thinking, 
well, we should we should also. I'm seeing how successful they are. They're making so much money. I remember we had a couple of board meetings where I said, well, maybe we should be making the same sort of money that our clients do. So <laughs> we have now a a twofold approach where we develop regional territories ourselves, um, and so we put a team in place, but we also make some of those territories available for sale. Uh, and some of those places are very. I'm surprised. In fact, some of the territories we have are very successful and in areas that when I first started I thought oh I'm not sure if the concept will work there but then you know the you get the right person the right um, franchisee on board and yeah they blow your expectations out of the water sometimes yeah you're talking sort of regional cities and sort of towns of about 50,000 120,000 that sort of thing yeah that that's the sleeping giant I think in franchising in Australia still you know no doubt about there's the demand there the people they have different expectations to the to people in the cities their travel distances are longer but I think they're more humble in lots of ways and uh, yeah that's interesting so it's an experience I see with the people we work with the people that apply themselves see their business grow dramatically very quickly you know as much as 50% in six months 250% in a year which people dismiss as being you know I'm sorry this is this is hokey pokey it can't be real but you're, you're expressing exactly the same sort of thing so what would you put that down to number one and number two where did you pick up those models those ideas those changes of concept sorry what was the first question again well, brian uh how did you make the changes what were the changes you made to give you that springboard yeah so i wish i could say that there was some sort of magic formula that i came across <laughs> but it was really just uh it was just brute determination and making a bucket load of mistakes i can't i don't know how many mistakes i made initially and um i was fairly pick-headed about things i should have listened to advice i was given really good advice that i uh, disregarded well yeah. I thought <laughs> I didn't think that I knew better than the people who gave me the advice but I thought no I don't think you understand what it's like what I'm doing kind of thing and uh, and then they ended up pro- being proven exactly right um, so but those lessons then were really really valuable uh, because I was half right in yes. what I was thinking at the time and where I was half right is you can have really great principles but how do you apply that on the ground and how do you apply those principles at the coalface when you're dealing with decisions and some of the decisions I think uh, and this is probably being really honest as a franchisor you kind of know this is probably not the best decision but maybe in the short term or even the long term but is the only decision if I want my business to survive mm-hmm. and so one of those I would say was the early first year or the second year where you've got a franchise concept that no one knows about no one really knows as your brand too much so a lot of you know the ACCC and bureaucracies they all think that you know franchise uh, franchise groups they, they're these huge conglomerates where they all start out small you know that Brian they start mm. out these small businesses that even before they franchise no one knows about these businesses and and that, that was the same as my business so I was just a one of tens of thousands of cleaning businesses out there so mm. here I am um, saying I'm uh, going to franchise like why would someone buy my, my franchise there's other more established concepts so what ends up happening is you do get um, an interesting mix of franchise prospects that look at an early concept franchise 
And I would say I was probably, yeah, I was not attracting the best candidates in the marketplace, not the type of people who come to our business now. Like the people who come to our business now are phenomenal. Like they are very astute business people. Uh, they got switched on, but they those types of people would never have been attracted to my business in the first year of operating. So we ended up recruiting people that we that that I knew kind of at the time. I don't think these are good, the candidates, but I did it anyway. Some of them actually turned out okay. So, uh, you know, they, uh, they developed with the franchise and, um, you know, if one of some of my franchisees who are still with us from those early days, they might listen to us. Is that me? It's like, no, no. if you're still <laughs> with us, that means, you know, you develop with us and you, you, yeah. you're great. But we, we certainly recruited people we probably shouldn't have uh, in that early uh, first year, second year of the business. And that cost us a lot of money, but it's really hard in those early days to keep the doors open, mm. you know? And so that's, you know, a, someone looking at franchising will, sometimes look at a franchise system in its 15th, 15th or 20th year and think, wow, that's like worked so well. But the early couple of years are very difficult, you know, so and that it is franchising is not the way to make a quick buck. It is the absolutely wrong way to sort of think, okay, I'm going to uh, start selling franchises and you know, we made more money just operating cleaning business before we franchised. So it took about the third year to get back sort of where we were at before and then started really scaling then it started really growing uh, and building and still during those um, the first five years there was a lot of development costs so a lot of almost all all money that was made was just being put back into the business to to develop the concept to refine the systems to you know get a better IT infrastructure to get you know better support learning all of that sort of stuff so there is a, a development phase and um, yeah you're going to make well I made a lot of mistakes that's all I can say I made a lot of mistakes and and a part of the reason my motivation for writing the book that I did was so that other people can avoid them and they can see the sort of things that work. So what worked for us and, you know, how do you go about sort of scaling and growing a franchise network? Yes, it reminds me of what I call the G in franchising and people say, hang on, that's the last letter, but it's grit. And to me, that's what it needs. So it's interesting. You you literally wouldn't be where you are now if you hadn't taken those risks and learned the hard way. Yeah, very few of us are actually astute enough to, to, to listen and pick up the advice that we are given uh, yeah we already received it somewhere or other but if you decide decided to go the other way <laughs> all right yeah. it's interesting you mentioned Danny King of course because they were the pioneers in the point of view of franchising I think in the cleaning business because uh, but you know the point I'm taking Damien from what you're saying here what you're saying applies to any form of franchise it doesn't matter guys whether you're a builder whether you're a plasterer whether you're a physiotherapist or whether you're a massive mobile massage consultant you know the reality is the principles are the same and and i think that the success formula can apply the same but the key is as you said you only learn by doing things so you do have to take that step without that you know false evidence appearing real the fear factor can really paralyze you so i suppose that's where i see people i think with that classic self-sabotage situation where they just they keep half trying and it doesn't work um, so did you find i mean something we often see with with all of us human beings are subject to it you know whether you're bill gates or whoever there are times when you say to yourself hang on i'm not qualified for this i'm an you know it's that imposter syndrome 
You've got to have that. It's not arrogance, but that self-belief to push yourself through it, don't you? Would you would you find that's been your experience? Yeah, 100%. I think you need to have a clear vision for your business uh, before you start. When, uh, when I started, I already decided that I was going to be an international franchisor and mm. I was going to have a network of thousands of franchisees. And I think a lot of franchisors have that goal. Then what ends up happening is you get smashed in those first few years and your goal starts diminishing and you start saying well I probably might be okay just with 20 franchises or I might be okay with that and that's kind of where the grit needs to come in because you see I always think that if you are if you're planning and you you put a stake in the ground and said I'm going to have a system with you know 100 franchises or a thousand franchises or whatever it is you're now going to be looking at your system in a different way so you're not going to be compromising where you might think, oh, that'd be good enough if I have just you know, 20 or 30 franchises. So now you, you realize that you need to raise your own standards, raise the system, raise the, the culture inside of your franchise network. Um, and that can only give you positive reinforcement. So as you start becoming a better franchisor and developing systems, then you're going to start growing your network and attracting great candidates to join your system. But um, compromising or having sort of a low bar saying, oh, look, I'll just be happy with you know, after that first one or two years, you're like, oh, I'll just take, you know, 20 or 30 franchises. That'll be it. It kind of, it, it doesn't help you. It doesn't help your system. And you know, I've seen a lot of franchise systems that they sort of get stuck at that number. Mm. Uh, and uh, they there needs to be a rethinking and, they need, and you do need to take risks. There's no question about it. I mean, one I'm a big advocate for guarantees. So especially the lower the franchise offer, the bigger the guarantee, if you understand. So the way mm. I see it, like someone who comes in, uh, in our system, we've got we've got master territories um, that are up to you know one point three two million dollars. Now, someone who's investing $1.3 or $2 million, I'm not giving them a guarantee because I'm dealing with someone who is savvy, who's entrepreneurial, who's got some business experience, and they can assess it and do their due diligence and make a decision saying, well, this is yeah a great investment and I can see how I can get a return on it. But someone who's coming in on a $20,000 or $30,000 or $40,000 franchise, or even sub $100,000 franchise, they're on a different stage of their entrepreneurial journey so yeah. often it's all of the money that they're putting in and and they're very risk averse and i think it's a good thing that they've got that risk averseness at that stage in their business is the right thing to have that if all you've got is fifty thousand or a hundred thousand there's very few of us who'll just roll the dice and say i'm going to go for it you know so a franchisor should give them guarantees you know have yeah. i'm inclined to agree with you on that lower end i think when i worked with jim penman years ago helping him set up in perth at that point he had 60 franchises and his his goal was to get a hundred. <laughs> Six and a half thousand later or something. But that was the first time I saw guarantees, really. And we had a franchise group called Ken Clean Window Cleaning in Perth, which we grew um, to, to a modest size. But we introduced $500 a week at that stage. You know, I don't think we ever paid it. We self-insured it by taking a percentage of the franchise fee and putting it by. But if you if you build up enough business and they do the letterbox drops and they, they chat to the neighbours, it's amazing how it happens. So you've got to pick those sorts of people. You're dead right. Who've got that sort of personality 
empathy that are going to empathize with people because you've got to be alive to opportunities all the time, whether it's the next door neighbor or the golf club. Yeah, that's interesting. Thanks for sharing that. So I'm going to drop back now to some of the earlier questions I have. We may be duplicating a bit, but no tra- no, no dramas. We just, we just screwed on. So I suppose the question is, why do you think cleaning works as a franchise? So I think cleaning, and I would say commercial cleaning, more so than uh, residential cleaning. Not that it can't work in residential cleaning, but I think commercial cleaning, it is primed for franchising, but it needs tweaks to it. So if you use the, the method of winning, you know, having a bunch of cleaning contracts, which, you know, if you've got a refined sales system, uh, you know that you can win those cleaning contracts and then you can give a guarantee to prospective franchisees saying, look, we can give you X dollars worth of cleaning contracts. And because they're signed agreements, um, mm. it's very, very attractive. Whereas uh, sometimes uh, other business business models mean that, you know, you're dealing with one-off customers all the time. So that you've got that, you've got a lot of marketing uh, expense involved in, you know, winning, you know, the customer, like, you know, a coffee shop or uh, let's say a sign writing business. I mean, p- people, not that you can't make money in all these businesses, you can, but it's just more challenging in terms of the repeat sales because um, someone may not, you know, get their business sign written, you know, every, well, someone's not really going to get it done every month. They're going to get it done maybe every, you know, six, seven years, they're going to get their business um, uh, sign written. So that's something that is in the advantage of commercial cleaning. You can win an ongoing business, people will sign up to one or two year contracts. And our philosophy is you win a customer, you look after them, um, and you'll keep them forever. So uh, and they'll keep renewing that agreement all the time. So it makes it easy to give those guarantees, like I mentioned before. So we are at a sort of an unfair advantage uh, when we're franchising and commercial cleaning, because we do have that. And that means that gives a franchisee a lot of confidence saying, okay, well, there's going to be ongoing contractual income they're going to be receiving. Mm. But then you can be creative in other industries too and uh, replicate it or duplicate it. Or And I've seen, I've heard of some businesses and it's quite innovative uh, where they uh, do subscription even for coffee shops. So you could have a coffee shop and then if you can get, get to the office blocks around there and get them to subscribe to coffee. So all these sorts of things can, I guess, even out the sort of ebbs and flows and uh, of business that you often find that if it's not contractual or it's not subscription-based. That makes absolute sense. And I, I think, yeah, what you're seeing is that model's becoming more and more sophisticated because it's so applicable. And uh, I mean, one of, the, one of the things that appealed to us with our window cleaning business was you get repeat customers. And as you say, it's so important. Otherwise, you spend your life advertising and it gets expensive and it gets exhausting and it's a huge use of manpower. So uh, in any business, I think, if you look to say, how can I secure long-term customers and i love the thought of for example the subscription for a coffee shop i hadn't thought about that but you know get the local businesses to do it and they can sponsor blah 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 yeah there's there's lots of opportunity so you've got to be creative haven't you and that's the challenge how do you come up with those ideas how did you come up with your innovations in your business apart from knocking your head against the brick wall i think it it does comes from something i picked up in fact by from janine alice was this idea of staying with problems long enough and often if you stay with a problem long enough, there will be solutions that come to mind. They're not always the best solutions straight away, but then you just need to stay with that problem again and say, okay, well, that didn't work. What else is going to work? So um, I, I guess I have a, a gritty approach to franchising and business where uh, it's really important to recognize problems. And I, and I think one of the keys is a great question, Brian, because I think one of the keys as well is looking at the systems that create the problems rather 
deeper than the people that are doing the problems or the situation that creates the problems. So that, I think that's where a lot of business owners sort of fail with coming with great solutions because they said that, oh, this employee did this, or if someone picked up the phone sooner, or if that person didn't do that, or if the customer wasn't unreasonable. Uh, but one of the things I put our team in a habit of doing is saying, well, this has happened twice now, or the three times. Why is this always occurring? Like, why is we facing this challenge? So it's actually not the people involved. They're not at fault. It's actually the system or the, the environment or the situation that's making this a frequent thing. So I think when you start addressing, st stop looking at people not doing their jobs and start looking at the system. And then if you're the franchisor and the founder, then you take ultimate responsibility for it. Um, yeah, you know, that's the Elon Musk thing. Um, he doesn't mind breaking things. He doesn't mind sending rockets up and then blowing up because he says, you know, it's not a matter of fault or blame with a mistake. How do we stop it happening again? So I think you're talking about that exact same same principle. And when you mentioned the subscription matter there, a couple of interviews back was with Rhiannon Simcox, the CEO of James, one of your competitors in some respect. I think I think they're more domestic cleaning and yeah, so they're more domestic, yeah. Same time services, but they have a subscription model for buying the franchise, which I think is a great idea for smaller franchises. Um, and you also mentioned one of our experts we refer to, Jan Timms, because uh, anyone that's listening, I suggest it's worth Googling uh, Jan Timms. She got an excellent book called The Ultimate Franchising Success Formula. And this is who David just referred to with uh, some of her mentoring. I think, you know, just because there's a problem or you have you got one answer, just sleep on it. It's the old story, isn't it? Sleep on it and the old subconscious brewing away <laughs> and solutions sometimes come. So I suppose we've sort of covered quite a few of the pitfalls because that was my next prompted question I had there <laughs> was what, what are some of the some of the pitfalls of the model? So I suppose as you see your model now, what would be your biggest challenges you're facing currently in growing the business, Damon? Um, so the, the biggest challenges that we, I mean, it all comes down to people, really. That's what the business is about. So people in the business as well as the franchise partners and uh, commercial cleaning, a lot of people think it's just about, you know, vacuum cleaning, mops, buckets, you know, window cleaning, all that kind of stuff that, you know, people think of as cleaning, but it's really a people business. So I would say it's, you know, 20% 20, 20 the actual stuff that we do and 80% uh, working with people and dealing with people. So that's about developing individuals, developing our franchisees, uh, obviously, you know, attracting the kinds of candidates that they, that we want part of the business and then educating them and developing them to, to be the best that they can be as business owners or even as staff uh, in, in the business. Uh, so one of the pitfalls, I mean, we did touch some of the pitfalls of franchising, but one of the things in particular with commercial cleaning is uh, the danger of our model is that you end up uh, only having cleaners in the model. So because you're basically winning cleaning contracts for franchisees and because they say, oh, well, cleaning, especially commercial cleaning, all happens at night time, so no one's going to see me. Uh, which can be quite attractive for a, an introvert. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it can also mean that um, if they're not looking at fully developing their business, their business is not going to grow and the retention level is not going to be high for the clients. And so that was a pitfall we noticed very quickly in our business. I mentioned earlier, one of the mistakes we made was maybe not recruiting the right, well, we didn't recruit the right candidates because what we were doing is we were attracting cleaners. So we're yeah. recruiting cleaners rather than business owners. And that 
that's something that we've been very intentional about with our growth is that we want to develop our franchisees as business owners and we set clear expectations on their growth like someone just wants a job at night time with an extra a little bit of extra income they're not our franchisee in fact we will tell them go to the other systems so go where they will just sort of award you work and you don't have to get engaged with the, with the clients they there's they've got staff there that does that for them that's not our system our system is expecting that franchise partners become business owners that they're the coin of contact they're engaged with their customers they're growing that so we're very big on what we call wallet share so you go into a customer and you say okay well how do you grow this account how do you get more out of this customer and that's one of the the magic the magical things i guess about commercial cleaning is it's often a trojan horse to other services mm. um, so you come in um you come in you start cleaning and then before you know it uh, you're providing coffee for the place you're doing their lawn mowing you're doing this you're doing that it's like what, what happened i thought oh, i was just going to come in and vacuum carpets and um it you become a facility service provider for these offices and so a big part of uh, what we do is uh training and educating our franchisees on those additional sales items which often have the biggest margins attached to them um so those people who want to uh, develop as a business owner make those extra sales they make in a sense the most margin uh most profit out of their business they develop those verticals yeah okay yeah and really it's about engaging with their customers yeah. so uh and that for, for some reason that's rare in commercial cleaning and franchising so there's something we stand out from the other franchise systems is that that's our intention from day one for a franchisee yes now the other thing i noticed i think i saw in your book was that you thought that commercial cleaning which for one reason or another was the sector you chose and i suspect there's a, probably a whole interview <laughs> just on that but we'll leave that one for the moment but i, I believe you've got that philosophy that master franchising is um is, is generally overlooked from the point of view of it's a great white collar professional franchise for people could you express your experience and thoughts on that yeah so i think when people go out and they start looking at franchises they often look at this is my job this is what i've been doing whether they've been accountant or they've been a manager or something uh that's a, a white collar type position and then they look for the equivalent so they say oh i'm going to look for an accounting franchise or i'm going to look for uh, a, consult, a business consulting franchise or something because it, it seems to align with the job that they had rather than actually thinking, well, what is the business that I want? Uh, what, why am I buying a business even in the first place? And master franchising is very quickly overlooked, and so, especially commercial cleaning because the first thing that pops to mind when people think of commercial cleaning is like, oh, I don't, I don't want to go out with a vacuum cleaner at nighttime. I don't want to be doing that. Or even if they thought it's a bit more than that, so I don't want to be managing teams of cleaners either. So this is... A, a prejudice that we definitely find in the, the service industries and it's not just us like people in other service sectors will find it. it's like well I, you know i don't want to be a handyman or i don't want to do this and i don't so they overlook uh, these opportunities mm. that in fact would give them uh, a phenomenal return on their investment like to uh, an example would be one of our guys in perth so sean and jade uh, in perth they came from a fitness background uh sean had been a general manager of a group of of, uh, gyms and he also had bought one of the franchises and gyms so he was kind of looking at gyms and wanted to stay in the industry but then COVID happened and that was the thing that made him start looking at all well, other industries outside of that so and he came across our business model and he's and it ended up being like a perfect hand in glove bit for his skill level because owning a gym is all about sales it's all about membership and retention mm. there's no difference with commercial cleaning all it is is about sales and retention 
climate. So as we're winning a climate, so he found that he could very quickly transfer those skills in that industry into our industry. And, you know, he's never had to go vacuum cleaning at nighttime. He's never had to do that. He's never had to manage teams of cleaners, but he's got a phenomenal business in Western Australia doing, I'm not going to disclose numbers, but I can tell you that uh, he's making eight times more than his highest paying role that he ever had. So that he's doing, uh, and that's only after a, a couple of years and his business is still growing. Because the one of the things about, especially master franchising, is that you've got scale like none other. Mm. You've got, especially in something like commercial clean, because you've got a cleaning contract, which is uh, an ongoing subscription. And then on top of that, now you've got a franchise who's now, who's managing their own business, who's also getting those additional sales, growing the wallet share of customers, getting referrals in the business, retaining uh, long-term clients. So really you can start stacking income onto income and build quite a, a, a resilient asset uh, that's got recurring revenue that doesn't require a lot of overheads. So I think master franchising is often overlooked by a lot of professionals. The other benefit of master franchising as opposed to just simply franchising it yourself is that you don't have to go through all those painful years I had to go through. You know, I was the one who, you know, had to you know put all my money in. I ended up selling my own house, in fact. So I reinvest, I sold my house to reinvest into the business. That they're, they're risks that you don't need to take necessarily when you're looking at taking a proven cost concept and you and getting all the benefits as a as if you were a franchisor. Absolutely. Look, your mention about the white collar element reminds me one of our clients in Perth about 12 or 15 years ago, Doug McDonald had a, a business called Speedy Lube where you drive in, have a coffee and a donut, and you know, the car was ready. A North American guy, Canadian, and it really was amazing. And we got to the point of taking him to franchise. He had the documentation, all the systems done. Unfortunately, he became unwell and, and he, he's fine, but uh, he was limited what he could handle. So he sold it, but he sold it to an accountant who liked motor cars, but wasn't a car mechanic. And the business broker reckoned, and this is the lesson for people listening, he got 50% more for the business because it was systemized than he would have done normally. Because normally his customer for buying that business would have been a car mechanic, a technician. So I think what you're saying bears the same principle. So it's, it's an important one. Now, anyone listening to us would know that we never stop hammering the fact that communication support is, is the key to long-term success in franchising. And we get that from all of our, you know, our close sort of confidants and mentors, you know, John O'Brien at Paul Works, all these sorts of people. That's that's what they live by. But how important do you find communication and then the relationships from the point of view of your business model and your, your experiences, Damien? I think our business really took off when we started taking the advice of other franchisors that hammered on exactly that point of relationships and communication. Uh, and I think any uh, any emerging franchisor, anyone looking at franchising needs to understand that that's probably the, the biggest skill that they need to develop, either personally or their team needs to develop. It's all, I had an early mentor and he taught me that uh, the su success in franchising is uh, 20% systems and 80% relationships. And I 100% agree with that. You just, uh, and it is about really investing. A lot of people confuse what relationships are in business. Like they often think that relationships is all about, you know, becoming uh, great friends or, you know, going for a buck. There's no, none of that. You don't need to do any of those sorts of things. So um, it's really about making sure that there is uh, clarity around success, that you're communicating what it requires to be successful. So I 
quite a lot of systems. You talk to people, a franchisee, as a franchisor, and I made this mistake early on, as a franchisor, I wrote all the manuals down. So like, if they followed the manuals, they would be successful. But how many, like, because I've got all these books behind me, I haven't read all these books. And like, it's just folly to think that a franchisee is going to be going out with a highlighter pen and just rereading your manuals all the time. You won't do that until, unless it's part of your system, that there's a way for them to easily, quickly refer to your processes and systems and that's communicated and it's really clear so they know what they need to do don't assume that they know what they need to do or that it's written in the manual they'll they were my mistakes early on in the franchise and i realized i need to talk about that i need to repeat myself i need to sound like a broken record and then i need to actually invest time so the other thing i made a mistake of thinking is that once a month would be fine to catch up with my franchisees or as a group it's not enough so in fact you'll be surprised how often you need to communicate and we often don't want to do that because we think well we're just wasting more time in a meeting or we're doing this we should be getting on work but you it pays enormous dividends so just by putting a little bit of side time aside like we've all with my master franchises and any uh senior members of our team i put aside time every single week that's just for them so and it's sacrosanct i won't like it could be i could have an important sales meeting i could you know someone in the united states wants to buy uh, a regional state says i've got to meet you on this day and i'll say no i can't i'm busy because it's more important then I'm I don't move those times and I've made that commitment to my to my business partners that they've got my undivided attention in those times and and it's just for me to listen to them and we then then the master franchises will do the same thing with their franchisees so um I can't stress enough how important it is to communicate how important it is to build relationships um and make sure that you are you know uh, there to listen to them all the time and then you just you can just keep reminding them about what matters in their business yeah Yes, look, and I like that point about, you know, those systems and so forth, your operations manuals, having them in a, in a style that's accessible for as and when people need to. And uh, yeah, the, the old felt pen in the manual just doesn't work, that's for sure. So the other thing was, you mentioned about you learn a lot from other franchisors. How did you manage to meet other franchisors? I mean, you're there as a franchisee, as a franchisor, it's your first franchise business, I believe. So how do you meet other franchisors that you ultimately learn a lot from? Well, I think uh, in Australia, the FCA, is a phenomenal resource for franchisors. So um, I would encourage anyone who's looking at a franchisor um, to join. Um, there's no question about it. So you will get an opportunity to rub shoulders with a lot of other franchisors. One thing I've noticed in the franchising sector is how open people are with sharing their knowledge, their mistakes, and being really honest about it. So I just find the community is second to none. I um, I think that's one of the best, actually, I think it's one of the best things about being a franchisor is the franchisor community. Everyone is willing to help. Everyone's willing to share their knowledge and intelligence. It doesn't feel like it's competition with each other. Um, and, I, and I'm and i willing to do it um, even with so people who are so-called in my competition. So even the other day, I had a franchisor reach out uh, to me in commercial cleaning in Australia, and they wanted help with their insurance. And I just, well, we've already solved that. So I gave them details and more than willing to help. There's so much business to be had. Um, I always see that uh, competition is with yourself only. So, and that's yeah. that's been always my philosophy is I'm competing against myself, uh, not with other people. And it, it is remarkably easy when you start franchising to talk to other franchisors. And I've had incredible mentors over the years who've been able to share their knowledge and experience with me. Yeah, and the point you make as well brings to mind one of the comments of Jim Collins. Um, if you've not heard of him or followed him, by the way, just Google. He's got some amazing little videos and things. But as he says, that the key to the most successful 
successful CEOs was their humility. And I think that's just huge because I see so many people in business and franchises, no exception, who actually, it suddenly you think, they think it's all about themselves and they lose the plot. And before you know it, they're a setting sum on the marketplace. So look, we're having a fantastic time. We could talk for an hour and a half, but I need to just wind things up a little bit. So I'm talking to Damien Bowen, by the way, from Urban Clean, just to refresh your memory there. So just a couple of quick things, because these are really important, I think, you know, from your point of view, one of your philosophies is that old school marketing still works and it's still the best way to go. Can you expand on that? Why do you believe that in this day of digital everything? Because um, people crave human attention and communication like we are talking about before. Uh, so if you know when you're, you're looking at your email box, you know what's spam and you know what's a direct me- message that's talking to you as a human. You know, so, you know, it's someone who, who you know, someone who you've had, to, had a conversation with and then it demands your attention and you need to interact with it. So well, I'm a big believer in getting human interactions as quickly as possible in a sales process. You know, sending, not to say that, you know, having stuff online, having automated stuff doesn't have its place, but it's so overemphasized these days. It's like, oh yeah, you've got to have everything online. You've got to have, you know, all these videos. And well, that's great if all you want to be doing is pushing out information. But sometime you've got to have, a, if you want to do business, you've got to have a conversation and make a human connection with people. And so um, all our sales processes are around about the fastest way to have a human interaction and conversation with people and, and the ones that do it in our system and the ones that succeed most. Great. It's a great point. So I suppose just coming around to wrap up here, um, <clears throat> an interesting point I think you mentioned is that getting your franchisees to focus on building an asset, not just creating sales and building a business. So can you just expand on on your philosophy and process, your how you go about that? It's a little bit like uh, my pro- my process when I look at the business is I had an ambition from day one to be a large franchise system. Um, so I started looking at the processes and um, I started looking at uh, the systems and the team that I was building, seeing is it up to standard? Can I really build a network, successful network of that size? Likewise, when the franchise uh, it, franchisee buys into it, the, the business, what I'm encouraging them to do and mentoring them to do is to, to look at their business not as an, an income generator only, but as an asset that they're building. Because once it's very different, like when you uh, when you own your own house, like how much time you spend like looking after the gun, because you're thinking eventually this is my asset, okay? And it's not, I'm not just living here and I want a nice place, but one day I might sell the place. And mm-hmm. so if I, I, I'm not afraid of talking about selling their business from day one. And I want them to have that mindset of they're building a business, they're building an asset. So what do they need to have in place? What would make it attractive for someone to come in and and buy the business? And, you know, we've seen uh, people come in, buy the business, and then they've treated it as an asset. And if, even within a short period of time, they've been able to get five times what they bought it from me from. So I looked at it thinking, oh, what, what, wow. I should have I should have <laughs> got that sale, you know, because but that, that's because they looked at it from day one as an asset. Um, so they looked at it as a way that how do I set this business up so someone else can very easily uh, run with it from day one and that obviously then has a knock-on effect of helping my business uh, but certainly it makes my franchisees very wealthy fantastic you know damien that's why i was so keen to talk to you and i'm so glad i did because we've i've 
certainly enjoyed the companionship and the conversation. So, but that's just me indulging. But I hope everybody listening has as well. And I hope you've enjoyed listening to Damien's his success story, but also how and why he's done it. So he's been very generous, I think, in sharing a lot of that with us. And if that does interest you, and I hope it does, then I suggest that what you could do, it would be nothing worse, really, than buying a copy of his book, or at least having a look at it. So I suggest you go to his website. So if people want to get in touch, Damien, or learn a bit more, where can they get in touch with you? How would you suggest they go about that and, and, and so on? Well, if they wanted to get in touch with me directly, the easiest thing is to look me up on LinkedIn and send me a message, and I, I will respond to you. And that's just Damien Bowen. It's spelled, no one can pronounce my name, and everyone can pronounce my last name any way they like. Uh, but it's spelled you know, B-O-E-H-M, uh, Damien Bohm. Uh, also, they could reach out to us on our website at urbanclean.com.au. Uh, and um, yeah, they can look up my book. My book is Clean Up With Franchising. Uh, I, you'll be able to find that on Booktopia, on Amazon, uh, and I think some retailers too, if you're uh, going to some bookshops. But you can also go to our website there at www.cleanupwithfranchising.com. Right. And I do genuinely, I'm not getting any fees or subscriptions for this, but I do recommend it for anybody because it is generic material for the franchise sector and indeed for people who are just in business anyway. So look, thanks again. Thank you so much for your time, Damien. I do look forward to catching up with you again because I think we've got more stories here. But for today, thanks very much. Is there anything you'd like to add before we close down? Look, nothing other than encouragement for people wanting to become a franchisor. I think it's one of the best journeys I've ever gone on. It's helped me develop develop as a person, but seeing then other people succeed with your business concept, uh, there's not, I don't think there's a greater reward in business than that. So it's way bigger than any personal financial rewards you can get is actually seeing other people uh, benefit from the hard work that you've done. And so I would encourage any franchise or someone who's thinking about franchising, but has always thought, oh yeah, I would like to become a franchise or just do it. it. It is worth the journey. Excellent. Thank you, Damien. I'll give a plug here. If you want to learn a bit more and find out what the cult is like, come to one of our Kickstart franchise training workshops, which you can find on our website. So having said all that, thanks again for your time. Thank you everybody for listening. Look forward to speaking to you again when I have my next franchise radio show and have a great time in the meantime. But one thing I just thought of, <laughs> another rabbit hole, did you pick one of the things that Damien said early in the piece? He just recruited eight new franchisees in January 2024 when people are the most negative I've heard them for blooming years. So that just goes to show to me that with the right business model, the right people and the right approach, the opportunities are out there and they can happen. Would you like to just add anything to close? I'll never let you go, will I? <laughs> yeah, look, the like the way I see competition is competitions with yourself, you can create your own economy as well. So yeah. don't pay too much attention to the news. The media thrives on negativity. That's, that's how they sell stuff. Uh, don't worry about it. Just focus on your own economy, creating your own economy and you'll see leaps and bounds happen in your own life. There we are. That's the name of our next podcast that we'll have. So thanks very much again, Damien. Be delightful talking to you. Hope everybody's enjoyed it. And a super long show, but I think it's worth every second. Um, speak to you again soon. Keep well, keep happy, keep thriving, and uh, keep creating your own news. <laughs>